Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Andrew. Here we are in the land of properly connected internet, we hope. <laughs> knock knock on linoleum. And very stable mic stands. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got yelled <laughs> at for that last week. We're quite the motley crew. Always something. <laughs> so today, four layers of a, what is it? Of poetic titled four layers. The poetic of... title is four layers of drone read sound. Okay, I like it. I like it. That was poetic. Yeah, four layers of drone read sound. Every everything good in my life comes in layers. My, my last night I went to hang out with my parents. We had a seven layer dip followed by mm. a two layer cake. Mm. You know, of course, uh, the immortal know. words of the poet donkey parfaits have layers, right? How religious, I mean, maybe religious isn't the right word, but how religious is the, is your local maker of seven layer dip? Oh, it's exactly the same every single time because yeah. yes, it's a, it is a holy, sacred, never to be altered, you know, handed down for generations kind of thing. Yeah. Do you find the further West you go, the more serious they are about the seven layers? Because, and here's, and this is just a question. I don't actually know the answer, but. I feel like I was first personally introduced to the seven layer dip while living on the West coast. And there were seven, always seven perfect layers. It didn't matter who made it. It's like yep. people take it seriously, you know, West <laughs> yeah. of the Rocky mountains. But then here in the East coast, it's, oh, I brought seven layer dip. I'm sitting, I'm looking at this dip. This is a joke. There's not even remotely seven layers here and it's all messy and people think it's seven layer dip and it's not. No, Andrew, that's a very real thing. I mean, I'm very far, I'm pretty far west right now myself. And I can tell you when you show up to a party where there's a seven layer dip, it's in a glass container. Yes. So that glass. everyone right. can see you. And you do, you lift up that pan, you know, you take a look. You, one, two, three, one, four. There's two, the seven three, four, layers. Five, six, seven. You know? And the layers, I feel like the layers can change sometimes. And that doesn't bother yeah. me. It doesn't like, yeah. you know, the specific ingredients or ordering of the ingredients. That doesn't bug me, but don't call it seven layers if there's not seven layers then it wouldn't be a seven layer dip. Okay. If you have to repeat layers, that's okay. You got to hit seven. So if you have to go like beans, avocado, sour cream, beans again, that's okay, but still yeah. hit the seven. hundred percent agree. And maybe you don't like whatever. Maybe you don't like lettuce or something. Although I feel like that's sort of, it's like the icing on the cake. That's only ever the top layer. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Lettuce in the middle would be a disaster, Jim. Makes no sense. Anyway. So now that we've got that out of the way, we've got four layers of a drone read. And this is the kind of thing where, this is one of those things where as a bagpiper, as a bagpiper teacher, dude, you totally take it for granted and your students mm -hmm. really wish that you didn't because it's something they'd really mm -hmm. like to know. Right. And it's just something yeah. that we've experienced and you sort of subjectively learn it over time. And then you just kind of know that it's there, but a beginner doesn't really. And so I find, I have found that it's worth kind of talking through what it is because once you talk through it, you're like, oh, okay, got it. And it can help yeah. with things, it can help with things such as strike-ins. Like for example, when we're striking in our pipes or maybe more specifically when we're doing a pipe band attack, it's good to have an awareness of the four layers because that general awareness is going to sort of inform what our t technique needs to allow us to be able to do. Yeah, totally makes sense. You get, give it a name and define it. That way you can address it. Yeah. If, if it's and, not defined. It... And it's something any bagpiper would eventually learn, but why not mm -hmm. just, why not just talk it through? So you want to talk it through? Let's talk it through. Yeah. yeah. So I have my trusty bag, bagpipe over here. 
This is actually mm-hmm. my teaching bagpipe. When yeah. we did, just to do a little product placement here, when we did the transition to the bagpipes course, I emailed uh, Stuart over at McCallum Bagpipes. And I was like, hey, I'm doing this course. I could really use a fresh set of bagpipes that I can, during our transitioning to the bagpipes course at the dojo, that's what we do. We actually film the course. The pipes are literally still in the box. Mm. And then we unbox them and we put the pipes together from scratch and we get them going really well. So this is that bagpipe. So thanks, McCallum Bagpipes. So here's a drone read and I've got it hooked into my drone here. And I'm going to mouth blow the read. And while we're here, when you mouth blow a drone read, I'm going to put my mouth on it and you see, you'll see these like on any typical drone read, you'll see these bridles. Okay. I'm just going to make mm-hmm. sure my mouth is above those bridles. Um, or at the very minimum, maybe you can, your mouth can touch this top bridle, but you want it above the bridles so that like you're not getting spit and saliva and you're not touching your lip to the actual vibrating tongue of the reed here. Right. Right. Because that could affect the sound of the reed. So we want to keep it off of that, but that's all I'm going to do. So I'm basically just going to use my mouth to operate the reed. Okay. So I'm going to do, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Let me make sure. I don't think it'll sound too distorted, but here we go. Right. So I just blew into my reed with my mouth. Okay. Yeah. Now, what we'll notice when we blow in a reed is that the reed will kind of travel through four layers of sound. Okay. Mm -hmm. The first layer of sound is the squeaky layer. So you get the squeaky layer of sound typically when you don't have enough pressure yet applied to the reed. Like it's sort of this high pitched squeaky sound. I actually think that it's we're, it's probably just not giving us the fundamental frequency that we're looking for. And we're actually just getting some of those harmonics. Sometimes, yeah, some... sometimes if this, if this first layer sort of becomes prolonged and I don't know exactly why that would be, but it does happen. You end up with the drone, you know, playing the bagpipe with the drone kind of stuck in that layer one really high pitch. And sometimes you would call that double tone. The reed, you know, a piper would call it double toning. Now, sometimes a different strike in technique, maybe a little bit more abrupt, a little bit more firm that can help avoid that first layer of squeakiness from being prolonged, or you can skip through. But the next layer is the gurgling nasty layer. So once we clear through the, the first layer, And so it's like, it's actually, the reed hasn't kicked in yet. And I don't really know, it would be great to talk to somebody who knows, but I don't really know why this is the case. But there's a second layer where the drone has not sort of like clicked in to its optimal layer yet. And it's sort Mm -hmm. of like this, like, it's sort of the crust layer. We haven't really reached the surface of the earth. We're sort of in the crust. And then if I blow a little bit more pressure through the reed, that layer is going to clear. And then I'm in my stable, optimal layer three. That's what we're shooting for Mm -hmm. when we have a drone read. See how I, see how it went gurgly, gurgly, and then it resolved. Mm -hmm. And it's got, that's the stable tone. And that is the land that we want to live in. Okay. Now there are four, you may recall, Jim, we're talking about four layers here. And the fourth layer, most of us are already kind of familiar with. The fourth layer is 
no sound at all because we've blown so hard through the reed that it's sort of become overwhelmed with air and that tongue clamps down on the reed and the reed shuts off. Right? So when you blow all the way through and the pressure becomes too much, the reed shuts off. Mm -hmm. So let's do review pop quiz. The first layer is just the squeaky, unpredictable sounds. Mm -hmm. And they might sound different depending on your drone reeds and your bagpipes, but it's squeaky. It's unpredictable. It doesn't have that much to do with the sound of a bagpipe drone yet. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then the next layer beyond that is the gurgly sub layer, the gurgly, low pitched, raucous, unpure uh, sub layer. Okay. See how it doesn't, I don't know if you can hear it that well on the microphone. Yeah, but we're like, hearing it for sure. Yeah. It's not, yeah. it's a, it sounds like a tone, but it's not nice and it's rough. Mm. And then in this read, a little bit more pressure, it starts to gurgle. That's sort of indicating that we're getting close. And then, so here's that. And then we get the gurgle and then just beyond the gurgle. And it locks in, yeah. and then that's your good pitch. Okay, and then if we blow too hard, it shuts off. So squeakies, raucous slash possibly gurgly, good sound, good stable zone, and then shuts off. Mm -hmm. Those are the four layers that we're looking for. And West I would coast encourage to you, East Coast, those are always the four. Yeah, and I would encourage you, if that information isn't already obvious to you, I would encourage you to do what I just did with your own pipes. Grab a tenor drone reed and just horse around mouth blowing it for a little bit and just explore the relationship of those things. Like you might have noticed there, that reed, for whatever reason, is always really kind of squeaky. In other words, it's hard to get it to start. And I'm sure with enough adjustment or enough you know, playing, I could get that the way that I like it, where it starts a little bit better. But... You know, that one, it's, that one, it's like tough to get out of that first layer, but I'm not really worried about it. I know it's there because I understand that th these four layers are there. So like, usually when I strike in, it's like, they're just kind of squeaky, but then with the right kind of strike in, I can get them in. And then when you're sort of like taking the bag and you're pushing it up under your arm, what layer are the drones usually still in during that, that part? So we've struck the pipes in, we've gone. Boing. But then as we're pushing it up under the arm and getting ready to play, what layer are we sort of in during that time? Jim, this one, I'm tossing the ball over to you. Usually two. So, yeah. Sometimes a little bit of one, but not three yet, that's for sure. Yeah, and we don't really want one. We'd like to strike the pipes in so that, they, hit, yeah. so that they end up in zone two. But I'm not going to be in zone three yet until I'm ready to play, and then I play that chanter note. And that additional pressure of the chanter coming in will cause all the drones to settle into layer three. That's I, typically I how it that. works. Yeah, yeah, and it's a cool effect. It sounds cool, right? It's, it's like, so cool. It's like, here I am in layer two. It's very raucous. And then, oh, here comes the chanter. And it sounds nice, right? That, and that well, tends to be... A, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Jim. No, you're good. I was just going to say, whether it's a soloist or a band, that's, I just, I can never, never get tired of that. The yep. chaos that suddenly snaps into resolution. It's so cool. Yeah. Now, 
it doesn't necessarily snap into resolution. What is the what is one of the key elements here that's going to allow us to control those four layers and that's going to allow us to control the fact that we should be locked into this layer three when our chanter comes in? Another pop quiz for Jim. Jim, you represent the common man. <laughs> the, so, two, two, the two things that come to my mind is my bag better be airtight so I can actually have control. And the sure, other let's is just if call my that, are calibrated. Right. So let's call that good bagpipe maintenance. Obviously, mm -hmm. that should go without saying for today's discussion. But then mm -hmm. the second thing you said is what I was going for, which is... Yeah. If my reeds are calibrated, then I can trust that they will snap into where they ought to be. Yes. Because they're all ready to vibrate at the right pressure. So here's my, here's my drone reed calibration, right? If my drone reeds are too open, all right, what might happen is I strike my chanter in, and that the increase in pressure, you know, the chanter kicks in. We got this increase in pressure, but it's because my drone reed is still so open, my drone reed stays in layer two instead still of gurgling. instead of clearing. Sometimes you'll hear, pi hear pipers refer to this as the drones clearing. So now mm. the drones won't clear. So you'll end up with drones stuck in layer two. And then here's the fun part, is that as a beginner, you might not even recognize that there is such a difference. You might not even realize yeah. that layer two versus layer three is a different thing. And then you'll go about trying to tune your drone to be in tune mm. with the others while it's in layer two. But layer two is very unstable. So the pitch is always moving around. It's very yucky, raucous, rough sounding, right? So mm -hmm. you end up tuning these reeds in the wrong zone, so to speak. And then what makes that even more fun is maybe you have a blowing surge somewhere around bar three, because remember, we're talking about being a beginner here. So now you have a little blowing yeah. surge, which does result in the drone reed finally kicking into layer three. And now the drone is wildly out of tune. And can you see how yeah. that can lead to a lot of confusion, right? That for can sure. lead to a lot of confusion for yeah. a player. Yeah. And frustration. So calibration of the reeds, which we won't talk about today. But calibration is just, we want to set the reeds so that they're not too open. And obviously, if they were too closed, they'll clamp shut on us. So we need to find yeah. that optimal amount of openness for us, depending on how strong our chanter reed is, so that when we strike in, the chanter comes in and the drones will clear for us. And then mm -hmm. pop quiz, pop quiz for the common man. What is clearing referring to when it comes to our four layers? Clearing means what? Layer three. Yeah. Clearing means going from layer two to layer three. Remember yeah. layer two is sort of like layer two is that sub. It's like making a drone ish sound, but it hasn't clicked in to yeah. <clears throat> that stable sound. By the way, a uh, cane drone reads, I play cane drone reads when I play in, in Vararian district. And that's always a wild and crazy adventure, but you should know that the four layers of the drone read sound, it's the same with Kane as it is for synthetic. It's very strange. It's almost, it's just very strange in the sense that why has nature done these four layers? It uh, might just yeah. be something to do with how a single read behaves when it's attached to a tube. So there might be some mm. sort of physical truth here about the drones that, so it's going to be fairly true. It's going to be fairly true for any drone read that you choose. Now, of course, if you have a wild and crazy drone read, I don't know if you remember the Omega drone reads where they had a million moving bits and pieces and they had Allen keys and, you know, some sort of quantum computer built in. 
And yeah, they were, I never they, used them, but I saw those very impressive photos of them. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the wild and crazy reads, you don't necessarily get the predictable four layers maybe that you mm. would get, but any normally constructed read, okay, where we just, you know, you have the read body, you got the tongue and you got the bridle that you can adjust, just standard drone read design. You're going to hear those four layers, by the way. Make sure, as a beginner, that's the type of read you're using, at least for starters, so that you can get used to some of these concepts and you understand what they're all about. And yet, understanding the four layers is just something you want to kind of understand. It definitely is useful to put this into words. I have several students of the, in the past that come to mind where I feel bad that I didn't serve them better because... As you say, it is confusing because it's kind of a drone sound. And so what I would tell them was something like, that doesn't sound right. Squeeze a little harder or strike in again or whatever. And then my explanation to them was always something like, the more you do this, the more you'll get used to what drones are supposed to sound like. And so right. then you'll know when it's not right, which is true, but that's not the most direct path to For being sure. able to understand what's going on and address it, you know? Yeah, that bagpiping should be, I always say this, bagpiping should be easier said than done. That makes mm. sense, right? Like it's sense. easier to talk about bagpipes than it is to do it. That's probably always going to be true. But a lot of times what you have is it's not even easily said, mm -hmm. you know, you're just kind of thrown into the deep end and you sort of like sink or swim. And it's just kind of like, well, if you don't sink, I guess maybe someday you'll be a bagpiper. Well, this is one of those things where having the requisite information is really helpful. And then you're like, yeah. oh, they told me this might happen. The, you know, mm -hmm. They told me that my reed might squeak here, and then it might clear into this raucous sound. And they told me about this calibration stuff. Cool. So now you have a plan, and now you can work through it. It is absolutely something, to, to your point, Jim, that's something most of us figured out on our own just by being thrown in the deep mm -hmm. end. But yeah. Yeah. Enough strike-ins. And it does occur, I'm curious what you think, Andrew. I've been insecure about this before, like when soloing. Because like, I feel like when I was first learning, my understanding of the ideal strike-in was as soon as you hit the bag, you go into zone three and you kind of mm. keep pressure on it as you put it under your arm and then you nope. play. And I was going for that. And so for me, it was a discovery when listening to, I mean, like there's some Gordon Duncan, trunk, tr Gordon Duncan tracks that come immediately to mind when yeah. I realized, oh, he's using the gurgle and the yes. effect of bringing it into zone three is actually really cool. Yes. So then I felt insecure about like, what should I be doing in a band setting or as a soloist? And, yeah. and so I'm curious, Andrew, do you think that this is actually an indication of a properly set up bagpipe that like, if I'm able to actually punch into zone three without the chanter making noise, I've got some problems. Like my chanter uh, read is too hard in comparison to my drones. Or yeah, maybe or something. Could be, could be. And I wouldn't mm. overthink it too much, but here's what I would say. When we do a typical strike in, whether it be as a soloist or as, and then definitely as a member of a band, this, I think, and then the viewers in the comments can correct me here because I'm sort of speaking off the cuff here. But I think what's really going on is we need the strike in to allow us to skip zone one, right? Mm. So when we strike in the bag, we need to kind of learn where to put our hand and how, to, how we're going to work the mechanics of it and how we're going to hold our bodies so that when we strike the bag, we skip layer one and go straight to layer two because we don't want to strike up at a funeral, right? We're about to play Amazing Grace, but we don't want two or three seconds of like, 
Right. You know, like the unpredictable high pitch. That's like unpredictable. Maybe not two or three seconds. Maybe the whole song, because as you mentioned, right. sometimes the drone gets stuck there and doesn't sure. leave layer one. So, so we really kind of want to strike in the bag, huh? Like it's going to go, huh? And it's not going to be to your point, Jim. It might, and it might even be sort of like artistically. You know, you can take the artistic angle and say, okay, we're going to strike in the bag and we're going to go straight to zone two, which is sort of unpredictable, gurgly, dissonant sounding. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, zone two is where we want to go to. That's what this action, boink, where I'm striking my pipes in. That's what that action is for. We're trying to, we're trying mm -hmm. to not spend any time in zone one when we strike in our pipes. We want to go oh, zone two, gurgly, gurgly, gurgly under the arm and then E or low A or something like that. Where one, when the channer strikes in, that's when everything should have cleared, boing, and we're sounding good. And you should go out mm. in the wild, you know, go on YouTube and watch some people, watch some pipers playing bagpipes in the real world. And you'll find that the good sounding ones, that's what they do. And then when a band yeah. strikes in, that's absolutely what we need. We don't want any, we don't wild, want any yeah. squeaky phase one sounds. The bass drone is of course famous for getting stuck in zone one. And that's mm. the dreaded bass drone double toning sound. And of course that's like the arch enemy of a pipe band player, right? You don't want to get, you don't want the bass drone to get stuck. So your striking technique and the setup of that read has to be dialed in. But yeah, it's kind of an interesting way to think about it, right? And so when you're practicing and you're striking your pipes up from nothing, so you, you, the, there's no, the pipes aren't going at all yet. We want to do this action, boing, to get us right into ah, zone two. And then by the time the channer's in, all the drones have cleared to zone three. And then, of course, if any of the drones shut off, that's what zone four, that's what the layer four is referring to there, where it's become overwhelmed with air and the resulting thing is like no sound. So that's just something like, that's just something I think about, or it's something that's worth kind of thinking about, is that as we add pressure to the reeds, it's going to introduce us to these different layers. Mm -hmm. Hey, everybody. Andrew Douglas here from the Piper's Dojo, and I just want to say thanks so much for listening to today's iteration of the podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, it would be super helpful to us and to a lot of bagpipers out there trying to find us. If you could give us a top-notch review on whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast, particularly Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, and things like that, your review would be really, really helpful. So if you have a moment today, definitely go over there and help us out. Other than that, until we meet again on the podcast or somewhere else, thanks again for listening.